0: From Holy Trinity Church in Inwood, New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where you meet the musicians, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home, what we affectionately call, Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today, we welcome visual artist Jeff Hoppe. Jeff is a New York-based visual artist. His oil paintings on panel and works on paper celebrate the history of exploration, the natural world, and the metaphoric potential of abstraction. His inspirations run the gamut from Rock Formation's Joshua Tree National Park, where he was an artist-in-residence in in 2007, to the inner ear bones of narwhals at the American Museum of Natural History. We're going to talk to him about his work and so much more, and maybe a narwhal or two. But uh, first, let me welcome you, Jeff, to Inwood Artworks On Air. How are you doing, buddy? Thanks, Aaron. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you for asking. Glad to have you here. Good to be here. Um, So, I feel artists are asked what their work is about all the time, like nonstop. Um, so, uh, and I, I one of my favorite stories, I think it might have been Edward, Edward Albee, uh, who said, uh, when he's asked what's his work about, he said, oh, about 98 pages or so. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and I'm sure you get asked all the time as well, um, what's, the, what's the meaning of a certain painting or sketch or something that you've done? And uh, so I'm not gonna ask that. Um, uh, however, see, I'm just getting it, <laughs> off, get it off right there. Um, However, I, I think to ask why you do what you do is an honest question. So if you would, uh, for some, it's the journey or the love of doing it or storytelling or the exploration of forms or mm-hmm. pushing one beyond one's own emotional or perhaps technical limits um, or none or all the above. So I would just like to ask you, sir, why do you pick up your pencil, Mr. Hoffa? Uh
1: That's a difficult question. Um, Good. I... Th- <laughs> I think uh I, the the thing that pops into my head is I can't help it. Um uh the the uh director of the graduate school program at School of Visual Arts where I went back to graduate school after a long post undergraduate hiatus uh once said uh, you're only an artist if you have to be. Like otherwise choose something that's easier. You know, have a career, make some money, have a family, enjoy your life. <laughs> um but Um, I've been drawing uh, and it's been something which has, uh, been a part of my identity, uh, since I was a little kid. Um, so I've always found one way or another to keep that, um, flame alive. Um, there've been times when I've been able to spend more time on it, times when I've been able to spend less time on it. Um, I guess, um, these days, um, it's, it's a continuation of, of a lifelong pursuit and a lifelong course of study and a lifelong exploration of ideas and forms and media. But more than that, it's a time to uh, be in the studio and uh, it's a meditative uh, experience to be there, to be making work. Um, I think it, it pushes your brain into a different zone. So I can be, if I'm lucky enough to have the time to spend eight hours drawing uh when i finish and walk outside i'm sort of ex- exhausted and elated and marvel at the three-dimensionality of the actual world that's been out there which i've forgotten but the time seemed to seems to have been only about 20 minutes that i've been drawing so time collapses in that space and i think it's restorative and uh i'm still interested in uh spending time that way um and uh I'm kind of amazed at where the art takes me. I'm not really uh, directing traffic in a conscious way. I'm sort of following along. When I, was, uh, when I first came to New York, it was to be an illustrator, an editorial illustrator. And I did work for Forbes and The Village Voice and uh, Musician Magazine, these kinds of uh, outlets. And uh, that was more sort of making something to communicate a specific message. And it was a whole different sort of um, experience Uh, both physically, emotionally, um, uh, this is something different. This is something I'm not doing to make money, although some in my family might wish I were. I do sell some work, but that's not the goal. The goal is to uh, have that time in the studio and to make that work that brings me something I can't get by doing anything else. Well, thank you for that wonderful answer rambling and wonderful that was
0: not difficult at all by the way that seemed like well prepared (laughs) that could have been a college graduation uh to the to the graduate speech uh very very humble and also very informative and uh and i agree i feel the same way just to share that to return the fanfare it's like you know my answer um being a a lifelong artist is because i must Mm -hmm. it's just that's just what it is and so i think your professor who said that to you was right right on the money there you go um well many of your 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 work your drawings and paintings are abstractions from representational explorations of the natural world mm-hmm. um and if you wouldn't mind i'd like you to share about the pre- what is the prevalent role how the prevalent role of natural uh, world in your work and and how you found how you find the inspiration in that natural world
1: yeah so i go down different rabbit holes and yeah. uh, so there's there's the idea rabbit holes and there's the formal rabbit holes you know i um I think I'm still engaged with and interested in ideas and things that I would have been fascinated by when I was about 12 years old. And I have two sons that are, one's 11 and one's 17 now, so I've been able to relive that with them. But uh, space exploration, Arctic exploration, fossils, uh, Roy Chapman Andrews' history at the Natural History Museum and the history of that institution, um, uh, all of those things are, um, feed into my exploration it gives me an excuse to go and study those things or at least pursue those things uh, on the internet Um, (laughs) I used to spend a lot of time at the Natural History Museum I made a friend in mammology and they would let me go back into the storerooms and dig through the the skulls of uh, walruses that were brought back from the Peary expedition to the North Pole although some would argue he didn't actually get to the North Pole Um, but they had bullet holes in them from they would shoot the walruses and feed the meat to their dog uh, sled teams um, and they had little uh, uh, yellowed uh, tags with uh, uh, fountain pen writing on them, detailing where that walrus was killed, and what was, was the date, and who brought it back. Wow. And just that history is like fascinating. It's yeah. like um, it's like time travel, um, which is amazing. Uh, so so I'll do those sorts of things, and then but then beyond that, there's the formalistic concerns where I take those forms, and I don't want to just do a drawing of a walrus skull with a bullet hole in it and a tag on it. I want to take that form which somehow speaks to me on another level, on just an aesthetic level, and incorporate that with other forms and overlay it with other forms and create new forms and draw my way through them or paint my way through them. Um, And I think um, people, when they see my work, bring their experience to it and their ideas about what it might be or what it might mean. If they press me, I will give them a little information. This is this, this came from this, this came from that but um, often their stories are as interesting or more interesting than my stories. So that's a pleasurable aspect of the work which comes after the work is done, those conversations with um, consumers, with art lovers, with folks that are interested enough to stop by and talk to me about it. Um, so that's, that kind of completes the circle and then I'm back in the studio exhausted from talking and wanting some time alone to make more work. So it's a nice uh, kind of circle of life.
0: I'll say very circular for sure. Yeah. Um, has the natural world north northern Manhattan found its way into your work?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I love being up here. Um, I first moved to the neighborhood in 1988. Uh, I lived on uh, Thayer Street in this crazy, like, Barton Fink-like apartment. Um, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and uh, I lived there for a couple of years and explored, um, you know, Inwood Hill Park and Fort Tryon Park and the Cloisters. Um, and the water line, you know, I would take these long walks by the rail tracks, you know, between Dykeman Fields down to uh, the bridge that goes to the Little Red Lighthouse. I still go for runs along that stretch, which you're not supposed to do, but you can. Um,
0: we'll edit that portion out of the podcast yeah, to protect th- you.
1: Thank you very much. Um, I, uh, um, yeah, the, the glacial potholes, the 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 schist, the, the uncut uh, forest in Inwood Hill Park, um, I have a, a very important family member who's very interested in the parks up here, um, and so that's been a great introduction. When we first came to the neighborhood, um, she saw, this is my wife I'm speaking about, she saw the, uh, the gardens in Fort Tryon Park, and I saw the Cloisters Art Museum. She comes from a gardening family, and I, I'm an artist, so it seemed like the perfect marriage of our interests, and uh, I've been happy to be up here ever since.
0: Oh, me too. I'm right yeah. there with you. I'm yep. Right there with you. Well, I always feel this podcast has an educational aspect to it. So I wanted to share a a quote of yours that I found deep in the annals of the internet, Uh on the, on the (laughs) the interwebs quote, I am trying to accept my limitations limitations shape, create the work as much as anything End quote. Mm -hmm. And I I feel personally feel like the, the the recognition of one's limitations uh, as an empowerment tool Mm-hmm. uh is important for emerging artists to hear so i want you share like in that context that quote it's like how you you use your limitations mr wise man hopper
1: uh
0: uh um, this is like confucius tells you about um visual art here
1: <laughs> uh first of all i don't like accepting my imita- my limitations i don't like that i have limitations the finitude of life is really annoying and, and, uh, an affront almost because I want to drink life from a fire hose. I'm interested in everything. I want to consume everything and experience everything. Um, but it's just not possible. Um, so you wear yourself out living life that way. When I'm in the studio, it's a little bit of a different experience for some reason. I think because I was, I came to graduate school after 17 years between undergraduate and graduate school because I felt like my art was dying on the vine and I needed, uh, a full immersion experience. I didn't know where that, where that would lead. I thought maybe from a practical standpoint that I'd become a professor and teach art uh, instead of doing what I was doing to make money. Uh, that didn't happen, but I'm so glad I went back because I got this network of other artists and teachers who I'm still in touch with and who, who've added immeasurably to the richness of my life. Um, but when I got there, I was, a little, I was a little bit sort of scared. I was terrified. You know, What am I going to do here? I'm an illustrator. I do this kind of work. I'm not sure the fine arts world takes this seriously and so i immediately kind of uh, uh paired down my work became sort of pared down and i instead of i was doing figurative work until that point i never did another piece of figurative work ever when i got to graduate school um, and i did um, work that started responding to something that was deeper for me which was the love of the natural world the love of the shape of stones and of trees and of wood grain, and of uh, the water uh, uh, motion, uh, the stars, the lunar landscape, um, asteroids, uh, all of those things came into the work. But what also came into the work was a realization that, um, and partly because I admire artists who seem to work within a limited range, uh, I found myself drawn to their work, um, uh, like uh, V.S. You know, the famous uh, uh, artist who, draws like I draw um, that uh, if and it just sort of evolved that naturally I, I began to limit myself and so I would do a painting and I would use two colors I would use one brush now I do drawings I use only two for years I've done drawings and I've only used two pencils one is a 2h and one is a 2b and I use these mechanical pencils and I sharpen the point very uh, assiduously and I draw and if I get a piece of the drawing done, which is two or three inches square in the course of four hours, then I've done what I needed to do. And I know when it's time to leave because I'm exhausted, and that's my limit, so I've got to go. But I've limited myself to those two pencils on a particular kind of paper, partly because I think I don't want to... A lot of artists need to explore uh, so many different media and so many different uh, materials. I was at the George O'Keeffe show at the MoMA yesterday with a friend of mine. And um, they had all of O'Keeffe's materials, and it talked about how she went from watercolor to oil to pastels to charcoal. I don't feel that need so much. I found something that works for me, and I can make the work. um, I can allow the work to be what it wants to be if I use those materials and stay within that range. But if I start to uh, break out a pot of, like, fuchsia acrylic paint to try to mix it up and get get creative, everything's ruined. So um, I stay within this narrow band and time collapses and when I come out something has happened on the paper that seems to be right. Um, one of my frustrations in terms of limitations is that because I work the way I do, I can't, I don't work quickly. So for instance, I did a drawing which was uh, a stretch for me, uh, four feet by eight feet, um, in the same style and using the same two pencils that I use to do all of my work in the last few years, it took me three years to finish this drawing, which was intensely frustrating on some level, but if I tried to push to work more quickly or change the rules, I have rules which are self-imposed. I don't erase. I don't smudge. I just use that very, very razor-sharp razor pencil tip to make the drawings. If I change the rules, the drawing stopped being what it needed to be. The quality disappeared, and the experience of it disappeared. So I have to live within that band, which is something either I made up or I've been given. I'm not sure which, but that's how the work uh, becomes what it needs to be. Um, and so it wasn't so much a conscious decision uh, to accept limitations, but limitations are limitations, right? They're, they're forced upon us. Um, one of my teachers in graduate school said, you need to spend a semester um, painting with a mop and a bucket of paint. He saw that my impulse was to go tight and to go granular and he encouraged me to go the other direction so i ignored his d- advice completely and i went even even more in the direction that i was uh to quote naturally steve tending. martin let's yeah. get small right right or to quote someone talking a meme i saw recently about tolkien he was like uh could could you stop describing that tree and he's like i'm going to describe that tree so hard <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I, I have a um uh, contrarian impulse that if someone gives me advice I'm gonna go the other direction sometimes, <laughs> so it works out in this case. Yeah. it's all good, yeah. oh,
0: thank you being again thank you so much for answering that question because who listen, who likes the limitations? I mean come on, yeah, nobody, but you touched on it um very eloquently in the sense that you know it becomes like your lanes mm-hmm. of of where you feel it and but points like you're comfortable there like you you sit in that comfort seat and for whether you like it or not, and maybe it's not living life, as you say, drinking from the fire hose, um, but uh, you you know where you are and you know what you can do and you put yourself in place to succeed throughout your, again, you are the only person you have to answer to. Yeah. There's nobody else, you're not, perfect example you said about your professor pushing you in a different direction mm-hmm. with the, with the and, and and if I ever see with the acrylics on young man, boy, is going to be <laughs> hell to pay? but, um, but that's, that's, I think again, incredibly helpful, I think for people to hear, and also wonderful for you to share that. and uh, which is why I think you are so successful. and i and I have seen that that large piece he spent three years on, and uh, it's a, it's a magnificent piece, and I believe it's on his website as well. Um, so I, I encourage people to check it out. Um, so we spent a lot of time talking about your work. and again, i I really appreciate you being so honest and sharing about the why you do things and and and, and even how you do them. Um, so let's talk about the work you do for other people too. Okay. I think I just want to touch on that just a little bit. Um, so in addition to being an artist, you provide uptown artists, affordable uh, studio space through cornerstone studios, which you, uh, put together. Uh, it's located in Washington Heights on Bennett Avenue.
1: Can you tell us a bit about it? Sure. Um, so I was at the Elizabeth foundation for the arts downtown for about seven and a half years. And when I left there, I had no studio space. Uh, that's on 37th street. So, I began to look around this neighborhood. Um, My work and my supplies and my studio materials were stored in a friend's basement during about a two-year period when I didn't find anything. But then a space opened up at um, Our Savior's Atonement Lutheran Church at 178 Bennett. Um, And so what I did was I took the... um, I'm fairly organized. I work in administration to make money uh, for a financial firm. So I took those skills and I took my knowledge of the model at the Elizabeth Foundation and basically downsized it um, and created a proposal for the church council at Our Saviors. And they said, great. And they rented us uh, what's now about one third of the space that we have. Over the years, it's expanded. We started in 2015. We had great support from local, from so many people uptown, um, from uh, Wittick, which gave us support. Uh, and became our fiscal sponsor until we became an actual uh, real boy, not-for-profit. So uh, once we had that, and the insurance, and all the studios in place, and then we sent out a call for entries for the artists, and they showed up. Um, And I think we had uh, maybe eight artists when we started out in 2015. Now we have, I think, 15 or 16 artists sharing space, an expanded space at the church. We basically rent third floor of the church, and uh, a large room on the second floor of the church. Uh, We have open studios twice a year. Uh, In the summertime, that's in conjunction with Noma's Uptown Art Stroll. Noma's been a great supporter of us. Inwood Artworks has been a great supporter of us. The Miranda family, got to give a shout out. They gave us uh, a grant during COVID to get us through. Um, uh, Who else? Uh, Columbia Presbyterian helped us out. Uh, The folks at Coogan's helped us out. So we've had so much support from the neighborhood and so much support from the artists who've found working space. Uptown, there's not much space. A lot of people, a lot of artists work in their apartments, which is great. But I've got two kids and a wife in a uh, junior four, and so that's not going to be happening. Um, So I'm so thankful to have a space just down the street stair from where I live on Cabrini um, to go and work for four or five hours and then come home and take care of business with the family, go back later if I need to. It's open 24-7. We've got some amazing artists there, uh, all the way from Marta Blair to Paul Burble to uh, uh, Dana Hemnes. Uh, So many people uh, go to our website, which is cornerstonestudios.nyc. You can check out what's happening. You can sign up for our mailing list. Uh, We'll get you plugged in for the open studios. If you're an artist who's looking for space, send us a message. We'll get you on the list of artists who are waiting for space. It's not a first-come, first-served list. When we have available space, we do a call for entries, and we do what they did when I applied to School of Visual Arts. We just look at the work. Uh, we don't look at names, at biographical information, at anything except the work. And then we narrow down our list and go from there. So you could be the last person to add your name to that list and the first person offered space. Um, I'm so thankful to have the space. I'm so thankful. You know, I've got to give main, main thanks for the church for giving us the space. Yeah um and for believing in that the arts are an important part of a community um of, of a community um so we're happy to be there and we've been enjoying using that beautiful space for mm, going on 8 years now it's fantastic yeah
0: and it, and it will say this it is really the it's the only artist studio that i know of uptown yeah that's uh, the only one and hopefully there'll be more yeah, um absolutely. but because there are obviously as people listen to this podcast there's a lot of them out there who need space mm-hmm. and um, and, and what what should artists, with no education point too, like what does a studio run from these days? Cost-wise? Um, yeah, how, cost-wise. Because yeah. there's, there's sharing opportunities as well as their mm-hmm. own as well. Like just in general, what, what should people look out for?
1: Yeah, so um, some of the rooms are large enough to be shared. Some of them are shared. You can take them individually or it's kind of a jigsaw puzzle. So yeah. what comes available is what's available. Yep. But um, I think we have folks paying from about $300 a month to about, Mm, just over a thousand dollars a month and uh, we charge uh, as little as we can possibly charge because we want to provide affordable space um, as we can Um, there are spaces downtown Elizabeth Foundation which are subsidized according to your income uh, which are you know a third a half twice as expensive as what we're paying for uptown so it isn't free because we have to pay our way um, but it is, uh, it's as, it's as cheap as we can make it
0: really cheap. Yeah. It's really, and, and I see, again, they have to keep the lights on folks. So, yeah. and they have, a, they have, a, they have a lease they have to honor. So, and
1: I'm sure the church is charging us way below market rate for that space. Yeah. So we're thankful there too. Well, and
0: you've been a great thing for that church too. I have to say that as well. Yeah. Um, really great. And the fact that it's open 24 seven, that is so key, right? Yeah. That yeah. is to be able to do yeah. that. Cause some churches will let you do that.
1: Probably. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful building. Yeah. it makes the space safer for the church for the folks that live there. Yep. the pastor lives one floor below with his family so there's always there's more eyes and ears in yep. the space so it's a good thing win-win
0: I think very very much so and I also want to give Jeff a shout out too is not only has he um, his other community thing he did pre-pandemic he was the curator in residence at Indian Road Cafe for many years. Oh yes that's true and uh, and so uh, the, the curatorial world you've also lived in
1: yeah I did I did over 50 shows at Indian Road Cafe over a five- year period. And, uh, that was a great experience. Uh, Jason, uh, who was the owner then, uh, was a tremendous guy and great to work with. And I noticed that a number of the artists who've appeared on your podcast, uh, were artists who I worked with during Absolutely. that period. Well, again, yeah.
0: they're, they're uptown artists and you know, and you got a creative eye, so you know, who's good around here.
1: Yeah. It's just, it was so much fun to, to meet, yeah. meet the neighborhood artists, which is what you're doing here as well. Yep. And to give them an opportunity to put their work up. It yep. was, uh, it's a joy to be able to do that.
0: It's exactly what we're doing for the podcast here. We're just using this as a platform to bring people to people's
1: work. You're doing much more than I ever did, Aaron. It's not a competition. So many, so many different fields. It's not I'm true. I'm so, so happy to be to be invited to be a part of this and to cheer you on as oh, I see what you guys well, are doing. And
0: likewise, and I will say this too um, just a bit, and it's not anything that you'll, you'll ever see on Jeff's resume because he was so kind to be part of one of our group shows we did up here uh, called My Neighbor the Artist. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, Jeff, Jeff was part of uh, a group show of showcasing um, a work of local artists that I curated throughout and you, of all different forms True. that got to be experienced and uh, just to, as a purposeful choice to show the great multicultural talent um, texturally and otherwise. Well, there's so much going yeah. on
1: up here. Do you remember an artist named Bokov? Were you around then?
0: Um, I do remember. It was like, like 2003 or so?
1: Bokov was like a, I think he was maybe homeless. He was a Russian artist, and he would make these amazing artists out of, like, found pieces of driftwood or old pieces of tin where he would draw or paint on rocks. And he would leave a free artwork on a stump near where we live in Fort Tryon Park every morning. If you got there early enough, sometimes I just photographed it, (laughs) but sometimes I took it home because they they were there for the taking. There's still a couple of his works on the street stair at the end of Pinehurst going down to 181, like hung on a fence. But, and I think they made a documentary about him, and my oh, wife no. and oldest son may appear in that film. But there's so much <laughs> going up from that to what we're doing now. Yeah. The art scene has grown exponentially yeah. in the neighborhood. Um, but there's always something interesting happening if you just if you just peek around the corner.
0: Yeah, also well, this Howard Better right now has, you see the, if you see the tin cans yep. anywhere um, on mostly abandoned storefront buildings or mm-hmm. perhaps some chain-link fences here and there. We'll see Howard Better's work, which made me think of it from what he you said. He was
1: always an Indian Road Cafe as well. Yes. So, yeah, great great stuff. Yeah, yeah really fun. great stuff.
0: Um, well, uh, Jeff, uh, you are a big reason why um, the art has blossomed up here in Inwood and Washington Heights. And uh, we thank you for that. And uh, before we say goodbye, where can we go to send people to know more about you and your work?
1: Uh, easy enough, jeffhoppa.com is my website. I'm on Instagram and all that as well. But there are links from the website to that and for cornerstone it's cornerstonestudios.nyc
0: excellent listeners will put those descriptions and um of, of the of the links into the descriptions of the episode so take your marching orders and go check them out okay well thanks again jeff for taking the time to be here today. thanks aaron thanks for having me you bet appreciate it so, so once again folks this is Inwood artworks on air it's a platform for local artists and we meet the musicians filmmakers writers theater makers and artists of all stripes that make their home here in northern manhattan if you have some any time at all right now go to apple podcast and show us some love and re- rate and review this podcast that really does help us many five thanks,
1: five stars five stars
0: <laughs> whatever you can do <laughs> uh, many thanks here to holy trinity church for hosting us here at in inwood and also to heightsites.com for what they do for us to promote the show here um if you want to support us and all that we do here at inwood artworks uh whether it's the film festival fresco films outside live performances pop-up galleries whatever we do uh you can do so at inwoodartworksnyc backslash donate or via venmo at artworks uh be sure to follow us on social media keep all that we do and also i'm going to say is, what artworks is very proud to be supported by public funds new york state department of cultural affairs and a partnership with the city council and the Inwood programming is made possible by the new york state council on the arts with the support of the office of the governor and the New York State Legislature. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.